How's it going, guys? I'm Brett Pinelli. I'm joined by Josh and Ryan. We are We Talk Sports today. We got a ton of stuff to talk about. NFL offseason has been going crazy the past few days. Uh, we're going to start out with probably the biggest news um, in terms of the draft is that, that the Panthers traded up for the first overall pick with the Bears. Uh, I think this is an incredible trade for the Bears. Uh, Justin Fields finally going to get weapons. Uh, so if you guys didn't know, the Panthers um, obviously traded DJ Moore to the Bears, giving Justin Fields that number one weapon. What are your guys' overall thoughts on this trade? Yeah, I I expected a trade. For some reason, I didn't yeah. expect it so soon. I kind of thought it would come closer to the draft. Um, yeah, I agree. But I think, it honestly, it happened so soon because the Bears saw the King's ransom that they were getting from the Panthers. I mean – you can't really wait on that deal. You kind of have to take that when you get it. Yeah. Uh, from the Bears' standpoint, I love it because they're not taking a quarterback, so they don't need to stay up in that top three range. Yeah. Uh, they're moving down, what, eight or nine picks. Yeah, that's a lot, but what they got back – They're still in the top ten. Like that's, yeah, that's, still in the top that's 10. an incredible trade. They're going to still get a player with a lot of value at number nine, I think. So. Yeah, and bringing in DJ Moore is absolutely huge for them. He's yeah. probably already a top five wide receiver in Bears franchise history. Yes. They've never had a wide receiver like that. I know. Uh, I know Josh is high on the duo of Moore and Mooney. I was not a big fan of Mooney, but I am starting to grow on him just because he's going to be that number two option now, which could be yeah. a lot better for him. So and they got Claypool. They got Claypool. They got Claypool now. So you yeah. finally have a solid three. I think Fields is going to take another step forward. The Bears might not make the playoffs, but I expect them to be a fringe playoff team and just keep getting better, especially after that deal. I can see them making a big jump. Will they make the playoffs? That's 50-50. But, I, I, you know, we've seen a lot of quarterbacks make that big jump in their second season when, you know, they get weapons around them. You know, we see that with Carson Wentz when the Eagles got Alshon Jeffrey, obviously, who won the Super Bowl that year. Uh, we saw that with Josh Allen. I think that was his third year. He made a massive jump. Uh uh, Jalen Hurts, I know, I think it was about his third year, made that jump, but we got him that number one receiver. The Bills got Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. Now the Bears just got uh, Justin Fields, DJ Moore. I can see him making a massive jump. And on top of that, he's got the two other receivers, and they got a ton of picks. They got the number nine pick. They have a ton of money in free agency. I can see them making a massive jump, but we'll see. It's all If it all gels together, if Justin Fields makes that jump. So we'll see how it goes. It's going to be a very interesting uh, thing to watch next season. Yeah, they got another first next year as well. So that's exactly. Josh, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I was going to say pretty much all the same stuff. Uh, I'm glad they got a stud receiver for Fields. Um, yeah. And then to get all that draft capital for just moving back a couple spots when you're not going to take a quarterback is uh, pretty big. But for the Panthers, I, I, I guess they have one of the quarterbacks that they see as a franchise guy because why would you trade up that one if you still don't know? Like I saw rumors that they could trade back. And I just yeah. don't believe that because why would you give up all of that to get the number one pick and then be like, I don't know who I'm taking. Yeah, exactly. And this kind of leads into our next uh, topic is who do you guys think the Panthers will take with that first overall pick? There's a ton of options on the board. A lot of people are kind of sold on Bryce Young. Uh, I'm not really sold on Bryce Young. Maybe the Panthers are, but I think they saw something in a couple guys um, at the pro-am. I'm at pro-am. Whoa. At the, pro at the combine. <laughs> I've been playing too much 2K, man. But at the, at the combine, uh, you know, CJ Stroud had an incredible combine. Anthony Richardson probably won the combine in terms of his athleticism. And there was kind of some reports that Will Levis uh, was – well, they were really high on Will Levis. And I don't – in my opinion, I don't think he had that great of a combine. Maybe they saw that um, and they kind of lost some confidence in Will Levis. And maybe they thought they saw a quarterback like CJ Stroud and they were that confident and traded up. So who do you guys think will be chosen with that first overall pick? I don't know. I Contrary to what you guys are saying, I don't think it's that far-fetched for the Panthers to trade back. Um, I've been I hearing think, some of that, yeah. I think they saw an opportunity to jump up into the top three. I don't think they're set on one. I think there's still teams out there that are going to want to jump up to one, like Indianapolis. Yeah. Uh, and with that being said, they could even leverage Houston by saying, hey, Indianapolis is about to jump up to one and take Bryce Young. If you don't give us a deal, you're missing out on your guy. So I think even Houston's another candidate to just jump from two to one. Um, but if the Panthers were to remain that number one spot, I thought maybe I'm just missing the news or something like that. I thought they were really high on Stroud based on what I was yeah. seeing. I don't know if he's a number one guy, though, which is why I think they're trading back again. I, I think they can get Stroud at two or six. So – I don't know. I think they'll end up with Stroud one way or another. 
If they get locked into that number one pick, though, and have to take Stroud, then it's going to end up being a really bad trade for the Panthers because they did not have to go all the way up to number one to get him. Yeah. Um, Stroud, watching him at the Combine, like his arm strength and his accuracy is incredible. Like just the way he throws the ball, it's just amazing. And Anthony Richardson, I don't – we'll see if they take him. Probably not. I don't know if that's a, that, that that's worth it at the number one overall pick or even in the top three. I love Richardson, but as an NFL GM, is it that risk? Josh, who do you think they're going to take? I, I actually did see a rumor that they were interested in Anthony Richardson. I think yeah. they'd probably do that if they traded back a pick or two. Yeah. But um, I think regardless of who it is, they're going to be put in a really tough situation. I mean, the Panthers' offense is really not that great right now. They don't have that many weapons. Their offensive line isn't incredible. So I, I think the number one pick right now is Bryce Young, but I wouldn't be surprised with any of the other two. Yeah, I know. It, it, it's going to be a very uh... – interesting draft night we don't really we have no idea who's going to go like a lot of the times you kind of have a solid idea who's going to go number one or top three but this draft you know a lot of these quarterbacks people are really high on some really low on some like so we'll see it's going to be interesting um so now to our next topic in free agency uh pretty solid trade Jalen Ramsey was traded to the Miami Dolphins for a third round pick and tight end Hunter Long uh my only concern for the Dolphins is the money you know, Jalen Ramsey has a pretty big contract. But other than that, third-round pick and Hunter Long for uh, still a pretty damn good cornerback. That's a pretty good deal for them. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I have no complaints with the trade. Yeah. Um, third-round pick and Hunter Long is nothing for a guy of Ramsey's caliber. Exactly. I know he's a lot of money, but at what point do you have to just ignore the money and go get that elite guy? Yeah. So, especially if it's just for a third-round pick. It's not like you're giving up tons of capital let's say two years down the line, Ramsey's not very good anymore and you have to cut him at the end of the day, you're just, you're, you gave up a third round pick for that. I mean, it was worth the risk. So yeah, I'm, I think it was a great trade. Uh, and again, I, another thing to bring into that is a lot of fan bases are, are upset with their teams for not, uh, you know, coughing up a third round pick to get Ramsey. I saw a lot of Cowboys fans, a lot being of money on office, but again, uh, Miami was Ramsey's preferred destination. He told the Rams that that's where he wanted to go. So you have to take that into consideration. If another team just goes out there and the Rams deal him to a team that he didn't ask for, first of all, that usually doesn't happen, especially for a guy that won his team a Super Bowl. He's usually going to be treated with respect by the front office. And second of all, it's just not feasible. Um, you wouldn't see just a team coming out of left field and making that offer. It was always either going to be the Dolphins or a couple other candidates. So I think in within a lot of these cases with these trades, fan bases just need to relax. And exactly. A lot of Cowboys fans were mad two days ago when Ramsey got shipped off, but then excited again yesterday when they got Gilmore. So you just need like another reminder in free agency is just be patient. I mean, there's so much time before the season starts, so many so much time to make moves. Just be patient. Yeah, I, I saw the Eagles were actually heavily rumored for Ramsey, which I thought was very dumb. You know, considering the fact that we're about to sign a guy to a fran like a our franchise quarterback to a deal, like we're gonna have no money for that, absolutely no money. We just got Bradbury, which I am so shocked about, which we'll talk about later down the line in this podcast. But like you said, you just got to be patient. We got Bradbury back, but yeah, that would not work. That would not have worked in Philly. So, Josh, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it definitely helps the Dolphins' defense immediately, and I think Ramsey still has two years or so of like elite cornerback play. Um, and then for the Rams, I think they did the right thing. They get a pick. Uh, they don't have that many picks. And then Ramsey was just costing them too much cap, and they have so many other holes they need to fill. So I, I think it was a good trade for both teams. Oh, yeah, I agree on that. So now this is uh, a very uh, hot topic going on right now with Aaron Rodgers getting traded to the Jets. Oh, I don't think it's official yet, right? It's not official. Uh, but it it's sort of a done deal, but he's asking that the Jets sign all these guys. Like the Jets just signed Alan Lazard for $44 million. Uh, I think he also requested that they sign Randall Cobb and they sign Odell Beckham Jr. and a few other guys. Uh, do you think the Jets are going to get screwed over in the end on this or is this going to work out? Um, Depends what you mean by screwed over. What do you like mean if by Aaron Rodgers is going to make him sign all these guys and just retire? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Either. I don't think he's going to do that. I see I mean, a ton of uh, stuff online, like people making jokes about it, but. Aaron Rodgers is a type of guy. If anyone were to do that, it would be him. Honestly, I hope he does. That would be hilarious, but yeah. he's not going to. Um, yeah. 
I thought his list was kind of interesting. Why is he asking for three receivers and Mercedes Lewis, obviously, but why yeah. is he asking for so many receivers when the Jets already have like good ones? I don't, yeah. I don't get it. Who even knows? Like, uh, Beckham was an interesting one, actually. I didn't really know they had like a connection, but no, neither did I. Uh, uh, I think Rodgers will end up a Jet. Do I yeah. think they're going to win a Super Bowl? Probably not, but they should be a playoff contender with him. I mean, Jets fans just need to see a good quarterback on their team. They've gone through so much suffering over the last couple decades, never having a solid quarterback. So, I mean, I'm excited to see him on the Jets. I think Jets were a really good team last year besides their quarterback play. They got a lot of young weapons with Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall. Uh, A lot of those guys are very relevant in fantasy. So it should be exciting to watch him on the Jets. Oh, yeah. At the end of the day, I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl with him. Yeah, you know, just the fact that that um, they're able to win a decent amount of games with a terrible quarterback room, um, getting Aaron Rodgers is a pretty scary thought, honestly. Like They have a pretty well-constructed roster. I can see them making a big jump. Super Bowl, probably not. You know, you're going against teams like the Chiefs and the Bills. Yeah. So. AFC is just too loaded. Yeah, like they might, yeah. Bengals. They can contend. Are they going to win the Super Bowl? Most likely not. Josh? Uh, yeah, I agree. They're a playoff team with Rodgers, but they're they're not a Super Bowl contender. They're still behind like the Chiefs, the Bengals, probably still Miami and Buffalo. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad they made it because I feel like the pieces around, like the rest of the pieces on the Jets, are good players. They just clearly last year lacked a quarterback. Exactly. So I can see them winning like 12 games. I can see them winning 12 games. I think they'll do pretty good. I think the only thing that could hinder them from that is just. They're probably in the best division in football next year. Exactly. So, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited to see them next year. I think it'll be pretty interesting, and and to see the rest of their off season too. I'm sure they'll make some moves by the time next podcast that we'll talk about. But onto the next one, in my opinion, one of the worst off season moves so far uh, is Jimmy Garoppolo signing a three year deal with the Raiders, and not just like a little bit of money. It's like 34 million guaranteed, 64.5 million overall. Uh, I just don't really understand this move. You know, you can move from Derek Carr to Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jimmy Garoppolo is a worse quarterback in my opinion. So I do not like this move for the Raiders, especially for how much money this is for a guy that has been a lackluster to an average quarterback on a team that's loaded around him. So I don't know. But we'll see how they do. Guys, what are your thoughts on this? Not much to say. I think everyone consensus is that this was just doesn't make any sense. I mean – the Raiders aren't going to get any better now. They shipped off Darren Waller. Uh, we're going to talk yep. about that a little later. They do have Devontae Adams, which is probably the best receiver Jimmy G's ever had. But again, yep. he was just so – it was such a stacked team around him in San Francisco. And I think at this point, everyone, like if you go back to 2020, everyone was saying Jimmy Garoppolo was an above-average to good quarterback after his Super Bowl appearance. Yeah. But at this point in time, everyone's saying he's – Average, maybe even a little bit below average. It's kind of clear to see that that team around him carried him to that success and that he wasn't really, you know, sparking that himself. I just don't understand. The Raiders took a step back. I, I don't know. I think they should have just went. They're still going to draft a quarterback, but they should have just went all in and just completely re- started the rebuild. Exactly. Like, you're, like I'm not saying they're going to shit the bed with Jimmy Garoppolo, but they're just not. They're going to win, like, Five games with him. Yeah, seems like, sounds about right. Maybe a little yeah, bit. Maybe a little more defense too. Maybe a couple more games, but like that's just going to put you in the middle ground, and you're not going to get that top draft pick. So right. I, I just I I think they should have like like you said they should have went all in rebuild mode, draft a quarterback, have him develop this year, maybe get a couple more younger guys around him, and keep Devontae Adams because I can guarantee you that younger quarterback would have relied on him in a couple of years, but. I really do not understand this deal at all. Josh, what are your thoughts on this deal? Yeah, I'm just confused of what their like plan or direction is because they're a below average to average team right now, and this yeah. move doesn't help that. I mean, the difference between Carr and Garoppolo is very minimal. Yeah. So I agree with what you guys said. Top of that, he's been hurt a little bit past couple of years. So, you know, he was hurt for a majority of last um, this last season. So we'll see how he does this year. Um, but, yeah. Um, so – Javon Hargrave, who was listed on a lot of lists as probably the best free agent uh, this offseason, he signs a four-year deal, $84 million, $40 million guaranteed with the Niners, massive contract. Yeah, the Eagles are never going to match that. <laughs> like, uh, you know, this is a 
pretty very good solid piece for the Niners. I think he's going to do really well next to Nick Bosa. Uh, will he have the same production as he did in Philly? Probably not, but I think he'll be a nice guy. You know, stopping the run, clogging the lanes, even getting to the pat, um, getting to the quarterback. So, what are your guys' thoughts on this deal? I don't really have too many thoughts. He's a good D tackle. I didn't like some of those free agent signings or trades like Ramsey, Rogers. Like they really excite you. Yeah. This didn't really excite me. It's just kind of like, yeah, that's a good signing. Uh, yeah. I think the one point I did take away from this though is that cap space is a total myth. Mm. Like the Niners were supposed to have absolutely nothing cap. They just restructure a couple deals, dump Jimmy G, and all of a sudden they sign one of the best free agents on the market. Exactly. There's no excuse for teams to not be able to do that. For year, how many years now have we been told that the Saints are like 80 million under the cap? Like everyone's like, the Saints are going to be the worst team in football next year. They're going to have to cut everybody, play practice. Yeah. That's not how it works. Yeah. Like, you can easily just restructure guys, free up cap. I don't. People always say that they could do better than an NFL GM. They're like, yeah, I know the players better. I could draft better. One thing they don't understand is that GMs are brought in not only because of their ability to create a roster, but also their ability with financials. Exactly. What a lot of these casual fans don't really understand is the financial side of the, of it. You cannot tell me that just your average guy from across the street. Yeah, maybe he understands that Javon Hargrave is a really good defensive tackle. What he doesn't understand is how to free up the cap space to sign him. Yeah. So that's just what I took away from, from this signing and just wanted to share. No, no, I, I completely agree with that, you know. I just I, I remember that it was a couple of years ago. I thought the Saints were gonna be the worst team, like, like, and they've been average. There, there were years. people saying they were going zero and seventeen because yeah. of their cap space. They're going, yeah, they're going to cut people. That's not how it works. You can just come on. Yeah, exactly. But my thoughts on this Javon Argrave signing, um, I think this is a really really nice trade uh, pickup. I said trade signing for the Niners just for the fact for the run defense. Uh, but I said before, I don't think he's going to have the same production in the passing game as he did with Philly. Just how the the sheer amount of defensive linemen we had rotating in and out, it gave him gave Hargrave the opportunities to get to the quarterback. Yes, he has Nick Bosa around him, but he's just not going to have that many. Do I think it's a great signing? Yes, especially for the run game. I think they're going to have a monstrous D-line, but I don't think he's going to have that nearly the same production in the um, passing game. So, but yeah, Josh, your thoughts on the trade? Yeah, him and Bosa are going to be. I keep saying really trade. Scary. I'm sorry. Free agent signing. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, him and Bosa are going to be really scared together. Uh, their defense is still elite. I'm just. Yeah. I thought it was just a little long and a little too much. Uh, yeah. For I think he's 30, Hargrave or something around there. So, but that's the only negative. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Four years, 80. Like that's a massive contract. Deserving. I'd say it's deserving. So, but. Whew. Uh, so now this goes on to another sort of Eagles topic. Jason Kelsey re-signs with the Philadelphia Eagles. This made me so happy when I saw this. Uh, they haven't – I don't – to the best of my knowledge, I don't think they released the details on the signing yet, which is a little I, – I, I saw – I think it was $14 million. Oof. Okay. That's a – that's a one deep. year? Yeah. That's not bad. It's not terrible. I was hoping for a little cheaper, but I don't mind. You know, we got Kelsey back, one of the best centers in football – uh, even at his age, uh, he has he yet to show any, show any signs of slowing down. He's just amazing. I Just having him in the locker room is very important for us. I'm actually rocking the Kelsey jersey right now. Uh, but it's just nice to have him back. You know, there, part of me was like, you know, maybe we save up some money if he doesn't come back and have uh, Jurgens start. But, hey, I'm not complaining. We can have Jurgens probably at guard. I've been hearing some people say that, have him um, replace Suamalu. I'm very happy with this re-sign uh, for the Eagles. I was pretty convinced that he was going to retire. Ryan called it that he's going to come back. Uh, Ryan, your thoughts on uh, your rivals getting one of the best players back? Yeah, I thought he was going to come back just because, um, first of all, the Kelsey brothers are so competitive. There's no way they're retiring on a Super Bowl loss. Oh, yeah. And second of all, they were saying that the podcast was the best year of their life. So I was like, he's going to want to do that again. So, yeah. I'm excited for that again next year. Like the Kelsey Brothers podcast once a week during the season is a lot of fun. It was the best. I, I love it. Um, but yeah, I, obviously from a fan standpoint, kind of hurts because the Eagles just get another piece to come back and help their offensive line. But again, I'm a big Kelsey fan. He's a great guy. Uh, I'm excited to watch him again on the offensive line for the Eagles next year because I catch a lot of their games being in the local time zone. Um, 
that's about all I got for that. I mean, Eagles get a great, great center, top two in the game. I think Creed Humphrey's a little better, but, you know, negligible difference. I Solid take there, honestly, for his age, Josh. Just, I think Kelsey's slowing down just a little bit. Oh, yeah. Obviously, he's still elite. He's just not what he was. But he, I think he's still, obviously, top two center in the game. Yeah, I agree. Josh, what are your thoughts on uh, a Philly legend re-signing with us? Yeah, I don't have much to add. I'm just happy he's back. I uh, love watching him play. Oh, hell yeah. Um, so another NFC East uh, news here. The Giants actually trade for one of the best tight ends in the game right now, Darren Waller. This is a massive deal, adding another piece to a pretty well-rounded offense with uh, Saquon Barkley. Uh, and you know now Darren Waller adds another piece around Daniel Jones. I love this deal for the Giants. Um, I think it will make their offense a lot more versatile than just – uh, running the ball and dumping it off to Saquon and Daniel Jones running the ball. Like it, it adds another weapon to their offense. I think it's going to be make their offense a bit dangerous, and especially with Dable's offense. I'm excited to see how they do. Uh, Ryan and Josh, what are your thoughts? Not going to lie. I'm a little upset by this trade. Um, I really am a big fan of Daniel Bellinger. I know that sounds like weird, like he didn't have a huge year last year, but he's a rookie. I think he could have developed into a great tight end, and now he's just sitting in that number two role again. Yeah. And I don't think Darren Waller is all that good anymore. He did not have a great year last year. Um, does anyone know the trade details? I kind of slacked. I didn't really It was catch a third, I think, or it was a mid-round pick. I forget. Yeah, that's not bad then. That's a, that's a good deal. It's a good deal for the Giants taking a chance on, a, on an elite pass catcher, or once elite pass catcher. I don't think he's elite anymore. Above uh, average. Above average pass catcher. You could debate he's like top eight still. Is it they desperately yeah, he's top eight for sure. They yeah. desperately needed that. They have no receivers as of right now. I mean, Wandale Robinson, I guess, but he's coming off injury. Um so it's a good deal from the Giants standpoint. From a fan standpoint, I'm just a little bit upset, but that's you know, negligible at this point. Yeah. yeah. What do you Josh, got? Josh? Any thoughts on this? Yeah. Uh it's like basically having a wide receiver one at tight end. Obviously yeah. it's not at his prime right now. I think they still need to add another receiver for Daniel Jones. Um, but Waller struggled with injuries last year. If he struggles with injuries, this isn't really a great trade, but otherwise I think it's a good trade for them. And then the Raiders uh, allows them to dump their contract and kind of spend more money on their defense and offensive line. Cause they, the Raiders, they don't need Waller as much just cause I think they added Jacoby Myers. They already have Adams, they have Renfro. So their receiving core is still really good. Oh, yeah, definitely. Another uh, NFC East, a lot of NFC – we're going to finish off with um, NFC East news. A lot of uh, stuff came out today and last night. But James Bradbury re-signs with the Eagles. I think this is huge for us. Uh, I'm just happy he's back. I did not expect this at all. I thought he was going to be gone. I was hearing there were some rumors that he wanted to go back to New York. Uh, uh, I know Ryan is not a big fan of him, but I he think – stinks. He was. The, I thought he was the most consistent he corner. Stinks. He was the most consistent corner on a roster throughout the season. Uh, Darius Slay. Oh, he had his moments. I just remember that Justin Jefferson. Uh, when Darius Slay went up against Justin Jefferson, that was probably the best cornerback play I've seen out of an Eagles corner in my lifetime. Because we haven't really had much great corners uh, as since I was an Eagles fan. But James Bradbury never had a bad game. He was consistent, and I thought he was very good down the stretch in the playoffs and. Why are you giving that look? Remember Why are you giving that look? Lamb tucked his chain in on Christmas Eve and then torched him for a touchdown. I'm looking forward to three more years of that. <laughs> okay. Okay. But three more years of that. That was one mishap. James Bradbury, for the most part, was consistently good for the Eagles this season. Okay. Okay. I'm just happy he's back. Another good guy in our secondary. I thought it was going to be a lot worse this offseason. Uh Josh and Ryan, what are your thoughts? I'm, I think I already know your thoughts, Ryan. I'm thrilled that he's back. <laughs> okay. I'm so happy that he's back. Going into this season, you know, 2022 season, um, every Giants fan that I knew, and I know of quite a few Giants fans, was extremely happy that James Bradbury was going to the Eagles. Because you know why? Because he's extremely overrated. James Bradbury, you know, consistency is key, you know, whatever. Fine. He can be he can be consistent for 70 plays, but on the 71st play, when he gets torched, that's all I need to see. Okay, Josh, what do you think about this blasphemy? Yeah, I, I love Slay for the Eagles, but I think it's the smart decision to keep Bradbury instead. Uh, Bradbury's younger. Um, I don't 
I don't think he's an elite number one corner, but I think yeah. he's an elite number two, a solid number two. But now uh, he's your I'm number happy one. To have him back, but I think you he's still be number one. I do know that he's number one. Who's going to be number one? We could draft a guy who might no, be the number two. He, he's going to be number one, number one right away. Sure. Yeah, he's going to be the number one. Yeah, Bradbury's going to be the number one. That's a disaster waiting to happen. Oh, it's not a disaster. Come on, he's better than most corners in the league. He's not a number one corner. I'm sorry. We'll see. We'll see. But now down to our other number one corner that is no longer on our roster, and that's Darius Slay has been released by the Philadelphia Eagles, which it pains me to see, but it's the right move. It's the right move. He would have been make. He would have been taking $26 million in our cap this upcoming season. And you know what we're going to do with that cap? We're bringing back C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Yeah, I hope I you're right. We're bringing back Gardner-Johnson, who was – other than Malcolm Jenkins was the best safety I've seen on an Eagles roster in my lifetime. Hold on. We, huh? Why was it not possible to do Slay and Gardner-Johnson instead of Bradbury and Gardner-Johnson? They'd rather go younger with Bradbury and pay less money. That's that's stupid. He's that's only three stupid. years younger. He's and then Slay's contract is up after this year, and I think oh. he wanted way more than – Bradbury was asking, probably. That's okay. just my assumption. That's probably what was going on. That was what was going on. Okay. It would have, It's the smarter move. Get a guy that's three years younger, still in his prime, and lock him up for three years, and then bring back – we don't even know if they're bringing him back – and bring back the safety that was dominant with six interceptions. It's just the smart move. Slay, better corner, but he's going he, – he might not even have a great year this year. He might be on a downhill slope – massively you never okay, know okay okay james bradbury was born on august 4th 1993 uh so he's currently 29 which means he'll be 30 going into the season darius slay was born i know he's 32 right now on january 1st 1991 so he's technically everyone's saying slay is three years older i would say he's two because that's what he's gonna but at this point next year, you're going to be sitting here saying Bradbury's 31 heading into the season after this. Congratulations. I, I'm at a loss for words. You <laughs> saved one yeah, that, year. That, we have two years. Two no, years, I would say that's two years of Bradbury. That's, he's going to be, I, I think it's the right move. I think it's the right move. Whatever. Okay. It's the right move for the Eagles. And you, it's, the right you move, it's the right move for the Eagles that they want to make me happy. So I'm fine with it. The right move for the Eagles to beat Dallas. Now, moving on to Dallas news. Um, <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys have released. You spelled his name I... wrong. <laughs> Did I actually? It's Ezekiel with an E at the end. Oh, God. Do you know what? Do you know what? <laughs> Take it off the screen. Do you know what? There. You're happy? There. Come on. There you go. Is that good? Um, I'm not very happy because his last name is still wrong. Are you serious? Oh, I'm pretty serious, man. Two T's. This is ridiculous. <laughs> While he's doing that, I'll start on commenting about it. Um, is this good? Is that good? There you go. Only took three tries. Um, that just doesn't look right. It's right, though. Um yeah, it's like the same thing that you said about Slay, just for the Cowboys. It's It hurts bad, but it's the right move. Um, he's been on the team for seven seasons. I mean, I don't know another running back in the league who's been on the same team for the last seven seasons. Is there one? I have no idea. And if there I is. I really don't think there is. Yeah, I don't think so. That it's hurts bad. Rare. It's very rare nowadays. Dak and Zeke were the last QB running back duo left from the old era. Now a piece of them is going to be gone, but it's yeah. the right move. Pollard's way better. Yeah. Um, Zeke was taking up way too much cap. They're going to save $10 million in cap space by releasing him. That is so much money. Hopefully they actually use that money because when they traded Amari Cooper last year to get money, they didn't even use it. So if they're going to cut him, they better use the money. I think they will. Jerry's seeming more aggressive this offseason. Finally made a move and traded with Gilmore. So yeah. hopefully that money goes to good use. Main yeah. takeaway is – it hurts. It's painful for Cowboys fans, even those that started to hate him recently. I've seen on Instagram kind of being sentimental about it, but it was the right move. Yeah. You know, it, as the rival fan, you know, Zeke gave me a lot of good memories. You know, I was at the Eagles versus Dallas 
Uh, I forget exactly what game it was. It was a primetime game. I just remember Zeke hurtling one of our safeties. You know what my favorite sleigh moment was on the Eagles? What? When T.Y. Hilton caught a 50-yard bomb over him to convert on third and 30. It's a mishap. just happens. But Zeke, he was a tank in his prime. I just remember the prime days back in middle school. Uh, when Zeke and Dak Prescott were going crazy and you were running your mouth and yeah, yeah, I it, those are those that was a fun duo to watch. You know, it's I will say, man, times have changed since people used to say that Zeke carried Dak. Oh, I know, and I mean, it was a popular take back in the day. It, I I was a supporter of that. I'm not gonna lie, I was a supporter of that, and it's kind of crazy to me just thinking that like. Carson Wentz is damn near out of the league. And yeah. Dak Prescott still holding on, but this he has is make, problems, but he's still a starter. This is a make or break year for him. It you is. Know? It's yeah. just kind of crazy Especially how like everything turned out. You know, we were like, but yo, Wentz is so much better than Jared Goff, man. And then Jared Goff as a starter, probably it's going to be a pretty damn good team next year. Yeah. It's 2023, and Wentz is damn near out the fuck out, out the league. It's all right. It's all right. Out the damn league. So <laughs> So it's just kind of crazy to me, Josh. Josh, what are your thoughts on the Ezekiel Elliott release? Yeah, the Cowboys had to do it. It's a smart decision. And then for Zeke, I think he'll still sign somewhere for a cheaper deal. Yeah, for a cheap that deal. needs a power back. He's still a I'm valuable not- pass blocker and power back. He's just yeah. not a fifteen million dollar a year back. Not even agree. Close. Yeah, I agree on that. Uh, so I think that concludes the uh, NFL offseason news. You know, there's a lot more that we could have covered, but I think. You know, that was more than enough. We covered some some of the more major ones and uh, some of the stuff that uh, some of the moves that meant a lot to us with Ezekiel Elliott and Darius Slay and stuff like that. But now on to March Madness. So, oh yeah, uh, this is my uh, this is this is not my expertise. I'll let you guys know that. Um, I'm just gonna read off my predictions from uh, CBS Sports of a uh, bracket I did for my boss at the YMCA. There we go. Uh, Alex LaRosa, shout out to you. This is my bracket on his uh, uh, thing. But should we just do game by game and give all – Oh, yeah. Let me let me take the reins, man. I got this. All right. This is your time to shine, Ryan. All right. I've been so excited for this for the last three weeks. I think Josh has too, you know. Yep. I'm excited to see Brett's picks. I mean, I think he's, he's really having a make-or-break year. The last two years, his bracket has been terrible. <laughs> He's going to need a bounce-back year. This is a bounce-back year. I haven't predicted the champion right since 2012 when Anthony Davis and Kentucky cut down the nets. But here we go. Starting off top left, Alabama versus A&M Corpus Christi. We're not going to linger on this game uh, very long. Game's tomorrow. Uh, Brandon Miller is a straight shooter. He's very lethal. Um, I really think that Alabama's going to win this game by 30 points. I think everyone can agree on that. Um, I actually chose differently. So, oh, yeah, okay. oh, no, I'm playing. I chose Alabama. <laughs> I chose Alabama just be just because chose Alabama. I'm not going to give much of an explanation of my picks. Okay, that's fine, Josh. Yeah, if I got Bama too, they're too explosive on uh, offense. Yep, completely agree. All right, moving down. First game of March Madness, first round. Eight seeded Maryland and Kevin Willard, the chiropractor, going up against nine-seeded West Virginia with Eric Stevenson leading the charge for them and Baylor transfer Jalen Bridges. This is the first game of the first round tomorrow, 12.15 p.m. tip-off. Um, West Virginia is currently minus two. By the way, all this information straight from the dome. I don't have anything in front of me. That's how much college basketball I like. So right. um, I think West Virginia is going to win this game. It's 8-9. Nine. nine seeds have won the majority of games over the eight seed in the last couple of years. I think the Big 12 was such a juggernaut of a conference this year that West Virginia has experience needed to take down Maryland. And Maryland was so inconsistent up and down. First-year head coaches usually don't do well in the big dance. Give me West Virginia. I got Maryland. Just because. I got Maryland. <laughs> I got Maryland. Um. I'm going to agree with Ryan. I have West Virginia. Maryland's been very – You guys are making a mistake. You guys are making a mistake. <laughs> They've been very inconsistent away from home. Obviously, now it's a neutral site. Uh, I think West Virginia's offense has the edge. They're battle-tested playing in the Big 12. So, yeah, I'm going West Virginia. On to the next one. 
Classic 5-12. Everyone loves taking the 12-seed upsets. We got 5-seed San Diego State taking on 12-seed Charleston. Charleston coming in with a 31-3 and record. That's why they're such a popular upset pick. But San Diego State, top 10 defense in the nation. I know it's a long journey from San Diego to, to Orlando, but give me San Diego State. I'm not taking the trendy upset. I think even though they always choke every year, and I'm always told their defense is so good and they always lose. This is the year they break the curse. Give me San Diego State. I'm going to have to go with Ryan Horst's pick on this one. San Diego State University. Give me that. Give me that. <laughs> uh, yeah, we all agree with this one. I think this is one of the tougher games. I mean, Charleston chucks up 33s a game. Uh, but San Diego State's defense, as Ryan said, is elite. And they guard the three well and slow, slow the offense down. So, I think uh, San Diego State will win. On to the next, we got uh, UVA taking on Furman. So this is a sneaky game. This is a very sneaky game. I already know Brett's looking at his bracket, and he doesn't know what he's looking at. It says Virginia. (laughs) I know what it says, bro. I know what it says. But guess what? Furman is winning this game. 13 over 4 upset. Give me the Paladins. They got two fifth-year guys. Mike Bothwell leads the charge. They had their heart broken last year by Chattanooga in the SoCon Conference Championship. Those two seniors said they were running it back for one more year. They won the conference tournament. Guess what? They're not done yet. Give me the Furman Paladins to beat Virginia's stifling defense and give us our first big upset of the dance. I'm going to go with the safe option here and pick Virginia. So, four over 13, baby. Safe (laughs) option. Uh, yeah, I'm taking Furman as well. Virginia's offense has really struggled, especially without Vanderplas. Uh, and then Furman, they don't turn the ball over. They can shoot the three well. Uh, so I'm going Furman. Tom, All right, so uh, Brett has the bracket in front of him, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the next matchup down is Creighton against NC State. You're right. Um, Creighton's played in the Big East this year, which was a, a sneaky, weak conference. I think a lot of people are saying how good Creighton is and how they have the potential to make a deep run. But 11s have beat sixes more times than sixes have beat 11s in the last 10 years. However, with that being said, I do think Creighton has enough guys to get it done. They pretty much have all their guys back from last year with that tournament experience. Took Kansas to the wire, the eventual national champion last year. Uh, They got Kalkbrenner. He's like 7'3 guy in the paint, highest field goal percentage in the country. Backcourt, Trey Alexander, Baylor Shireman. They got Arthur Kaluma up there in the front front court. NC State just doesn't have enough guys to compete with that. Give me Creighton. I'm going Creighton, too. Uh, I got Creighton as well. They obviously had high expectations entering the year. They're finally starting to play towards those. They're healthy now, one of the best starting fives in the nation. Uh, and NC State really struggled to end the year. So, yep, I'm going Creighton. Right. Next game, we got three seed of Baylor. Taking on 14 seed UC Santa Barbara. If I was a three seed this year, I would be shaking in my boots. You want to know why? You're going to be shaking in your boots? A 14 seed has not won an NCAA tournament game since 2017. And what does that mean? It means they're due. A 14 seed is winning a game in the NCAA tournament this year for a major upset. But guess what? It's not this game. Baylor's too experienced. You see Santa Barbara doesn't have what it takes to take down their backcourt of Keontae George, Flagler, and LJ Cryer. They got JTT back. He's one of the best defenders in the country. He was out till February. Okay. Baylor, they're 10.5-point favorites. They're not going to cover the spread, but they are going to win the game. Baylor wins. I'm going Baylor. I'm going Baylor. Uh, yeah, Baylor has one of the best offenses in the league. Obviously, as Ryan said, their backcourt. Uh, their defense is really concerning. I think it will be better. But I believe they, they're good enough to survive this round fairly easily. All right. On to the next one, seven-seeded Missouri taking on 10-seeded Utah State again out of the Mountain West. The Mountain West was 0-4 in last year's tournament and has been certified chokers recently. Have not had a Sweet 16 team since Nevada in 2018. So would I be a fool to take two Mountain West teams in the same region the first round? I guess so. Give me Utah State. They're taking down Missouri. Very inconsistent team. Again, first-year head coach. They struggle in the dance. Dennis Gates, I'm sorry. Take Missouri packing. Give me Utah State to pull that 10-7 upset. I have yet to pick an upset in this in this, uh, in this this bracket, and it, it's not going to change because I'm picking Missouri. Missouri is going to win this game. 
I feel it in my heart. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, Utah State I have as well. They're great on offense, and Missouri's defense is uh, really bad. Uh, Missouri has Kobe Brown, who's been very good, but going against Utah State, I just trust their defense to get more stops, and their offense is elite, as I said. So, yeah. Brad, can you uh, remind me the 15 seed that Arizona is going up against? Princeton. Yeah, the reason I, I knew that, but the reason I asked you that is because it doesn't matter. Two seed Arizona, <laughs> blowing the brakes off Princeton. Give me Arizona. I'm going to go Arizona on this one. Uh, yep, Arizona, one of the best big man duo in the league. And uh, we're only doing first round predictions, am I right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I think we should also give our, but, but we're going to do first final round. Window. We're going to go final four as well. But. Let's just say who we have in a final four. Because right. I know we you guys out of you guys are predicting what I have. We'll so go region by region. So uh, we're going to the east. Oh, we're gonna go okay, no, we're gonna go down to the should east. Should we do it at the same time that we do the first round picks or yeah, let's take matter. let's take let's say who we have out of this region that we just did to go to okay. the final four. Okay. Okay. Uh, um before I give my pick, Brett, I'd like to predict who you took. Alabama. You took Alabama? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was going to say Baylor. I thought you were a big Baylor guy. I'm not a Baylor guy. Where's that coming from? Didn't your cousin play football for them? Yes. That seems like the type of information you'd use to make your pick. But again, I guess you went Bama. I also went Bama, even though I don't like it. I could see them getting upset by either West Virginia or San Diego State. But I didn't like anyone else in the region either. So I ended up going with the safe one seed Bama. Okay. Yeah, I took Bama to beat Creighton in the Elite Eight, but I – I could see myself changing that, but right now I have Bama. All right. Are we going across the bracket like that or down? It's up to you. All right, we're going to go down. We're going to go Purdue taking on Fairleigh Dickinson or Texas Southern, I believe. Yep. Um, Give me Purdue. I mean, I don't like Purdue, but they're not losing to a 16 seed. Yeah, Purdue for me. Yeah, Purdue. They're not stopping Edie. Now on to my favorite 8-9 matchup in the whole tournament. Memphis taking on Florida Atlantic. And I see a lot of people taking Memphis, winning a couple games. They're, they're saying Memphis is going to progress to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. I don't like to reveal more of my bracket than I have to. I'm not going to say what I have with Memphis besides – excuse my dog barking. He's not liking your picks. Besides the fact that I think Memphis is going to take down FAU, but I think too many people are underwriting FAU after they just won 30 games in a year. But give me Memphis, though. So, like I said before, have not picked an upset. And I think this is time for it to happen. FAU. Give me FAU. All right. Um, it's two really balanced teams, both good on uh, both sides of the ball. But I think the difference is Memphis has the best player in the game with Kendrick Davis, so I'm taking Memphis. Okay. Now on to another insane game. Duke versus Oral Roberts. The Duke. darling, the Duke Cinderella. Universe. I already know Brett took Oral Roberts. He's going to come in and say, my first upset. Oral already upset. I already said FAU. But guess what? <laughs> Duke is winning this game, even with a first-year head coach, even with all those freshmen. They're on a nine-game win streak, just won the ACC tournament. I'm hyped up for that game because I have Duke going far. They're only like two-point favorites. It's going to be a great game. Give me Duke. Um. So – we're going uh, mobile. I only watched probably like two or three college basketball games, unlike you, which you've watched a ton. But one of those was Duke, and I thought they looked fantastic. And I was surprised, you know, first-year head coach, I'm going to pick Duke. I'm picking Duke to win this game pretty easily. Yeah, I have Duke as well. They're one of the hottest teams. They're uh, loaded with freshmen. They're all starting to play really well. I mean, A. Smith is a phenomenal player, but I, I think they just fall short because they can't match up with Duke's bigs. And Duke has the veteran Jeremy Roach. Now on to the probably only non-intriguing 413 matchup of the whole dance. Tennessee against Louisiana. I think Louisiana is the only 13 seed that I could see that I could not see winning this game, even though Tennessee's pretty injured. They played in the uh, war-torn SEC, still have a good backcourt, even with Ziegler hurt. So I don't think that they're gonna go very far, but I do have them. Getting through this first game, give me Tennessee over Louisiana. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Tennessee. Safe option on this one. Uh, like you said, injured, but I think they're going to get through. Uh, that's another team I was watching play a little bit, and I think they look pretty damn good even with the injuries. So, yeah, give me Tennessee. 
Uh, yeah, Tennessee's clearly a different team without Ziegler, but I think they're still really good defensively, so I think they'll win. All right. Now, on to another crazy game. So many good first-round matchups. We got Kentucky-Providence. Um, Providence, you know, they have Bryce Hopkins. And what's special about him? He is a transfer from Kentucky. He hates Kentucky's guts. They only played him a couple minutes last year. He transfers to Providence, and he's all Big East. He's an insane player. Another classic case of John Calipari completely wasting a player. He's done it before. With Will Whitney, man. Yep, he's done it, he's done it before. Will Whitney. Um, but you know what you don't bet against? You don't bet against Kentucky when they're a low seed in March. Remember the last time that happened? They were an eight seed, went to the national championship. Remember the one time they were a five seed, made it to the Sweet 16. Give me Kentucky in an absolute blowout over Providence. Toshiba is going to dominate this game. Everyone's on – they're on the sneaky team in Providence pulling the upset. Guess what? Kentucky is dominating this game and winning. Give me Providence. Providence, give me them. They're winning this game. What, Hopkins, he's going crazy. He's going to go crazy. I'm pissed that they did not take advantage and make Khalil Whitney an all-star. They're going to win this game. Uh, I have Kentucky. They're getting healthier. And then Oscar Shibway and Antonio Reeves, I think that duo was just going to uh, dominate Providence, who was struggling. Providence, man, you guys are making a goddamn mistake. Whatever. You know what? We'll see. When, when the time comes, 7 p.m. on Friday, we'll see. Anyways, on to the next. It's time. It's time. You know what it's time for? It's time for my bold prediction of the first round. You know, earlier I said a 14 is beating a three this tournament. And I'm looking at this matchup, and I'm looking at 14-seeded Montana State going up against three-seeded Kansas State. Montana State has not lost a basketball game since mid-January. Two months. They've won a basketball game for two straight months. I think they're bound to lose one. And guess what? This is the 14 over three that I see being picked the least, even though Montana State is only plus eight and a half. That's the lowest spread for any 14 seed. Why aren't people taking this? It's right in front of their eyes. Kansas State was unranked in the, in the preseason top 25. If you look at the data the last couple of years, data. the last 10 years, I say data, you know? Yeah. Look at the data the last 10 years. Teams that are unranked in the top 25 and end up earning a high seed are extremely suspect. They get upset a lot. Among us? Very sus. I look at this matchup. This is an extremely, extremely sus matchup. Give me the wagon. Give me the American dream. 14-seeded Montana State is pulling the upset. Give it to me. Like you said, Montana State has not lost a basketball game since January, and they're bound to lose one. Give me KSU. They're winning this game. Uh, yeah, I can't I can't pick Montana State here. One of the best duos uh, for Kansas State with Noel and Keontae Johnson. Uh, I think others will have to step up in later rounds for them to win, but I think that duo is going to carry them to a win in the first round. Now on to 7 versus 10, Michigan State-USC. January, February, Izzo. Michigan State's beating USC. Their coach is Tom Izzo. He's, a, he's known for his master class performances in March. I think Michigan State will win that game handily. Give me USC uh, what happened, though. They're winning this goddamn game. Uh, I got Michigan State. Tom Izzo, they have a, a big advantage at guard, and they have an elite shooter with Hauser. So uh, the two seed versus 15 there is actually pretty interesting. I think Marquette is pretty susceptible. Susceptible. I think Marquette is sus. Sus. Um, They're playing 15-seeded Vermont, which could be a sneaky game, but I don't think they'll lose as early as the first round, so I'm going to take Marquette. I'm going to go with Marquette, the safe option here, number two seed. So, yeah. Yeah, I got Marquette. They look pretty good in the Big East tournament. All All right. Now, who's the final four pick for each of you guys in this region? Uh, Josh, you want to go first? I, I hate this region. Um, I'm still debating. This is the region I'm not completely uh, certain on, but I got Memphis and Kansas State in the Elite Eight, and I have Memphis winning, but I really don't like it. I got Duke for me. Yeah, I do have Duke going to the Elite Eight. 
I think they're a sneaky good team that's on a hot streak. But I actually have six-seeded Kentucky coming out of this region going to the Final Four. If you remember, I did pick Montana State, so they're going to have a cakewalk in the second round beating Montana State. Then they're going to beat Michigan State, seven seed. So they've played three games, and the highest seed they've played is a seven. They're already in the Elite Eight. And then we have a complete blue blood rubber match between Duke and Kentucky in the Elite Eight. Kentucky's going to win that game and go to the Final Four. All right. All right. Those are our picks for that region. Heading up to the top right quadrant, um, we have one-seeded Houston taking on 16-seeded Northern Kentucky. I think this is going to be the most lopsided game of the first round. Houston will win this game easily. Yeah, I got Houston as well. Pretty easy win. Yeah, I think Houston, even if Sasser is 100% or not, they should survive this game, no problem. Yep. Now on to another really good 8-9 game, Iowa-Auburn. Uh, this game is being played in Birmingham, Alabama, only two hours from Auburn's campus, pretty much a home game. Typically, teams that have games that close to home in their first-round games usually win, so I ended up going with Auburn. I'm going to go with Auburn on this one. Yep, I have Auburn, too. As Ryan said, it's basically a home game for them. Iowa is great offensively, by, led by Chris Murray, but they're just so bad defensively. I think Auburn's defense will contain Iowa's offense, and players like Wendell Green uh, should be able to lead the offense for Auburn. Another good 5-12 game here. This is the first-round matchup that I was most torn on because we don't yet know the status of Miami's big man, Norchad Omir. For now, I have Drake because uh, Drake's best player, this is a weird pick, but Drake's best player, Tucker DeVries, his dad is the head coach. And historically, teams who have head coaches with a son on the team pull upsets. Look at Georgia State and RJ Hunter with Ron Hunter coaching. So I took Drake. Give me Miami. Isaiah Wong, baby. Isaiah Wong. I met his parents. He's going to go crazy. Uh, I think this is the second best game of the first round. Uh, obviously, as Ryan said, it depends on the health of Norchad Omir. But I got Miami just because I think their guards are just too good. And as long as they rebound, they'll squeak one out. On to a intriguing four versus 13 game. Four-seeded Indiana is taking on 13-seeded Kent State, led by an extremely talented guard and sincere Carey, also has an All-American name. Um, I see a lot of people are taking Kent State, like more than usual are taking a 13 over four here. But I just think Indiana is too talented. They have too many pieces between Trace Jackson Davis, Miller Cop, Jalen hood Shafino, ton of guys. Mike Woodson's not in his first year anymore. He's got some experience under his belt. So I'm going to take Indiana four seed, beating the 13 seed here. I got Indiana with the safe option here. So, yeah, that's my final pick with that. Four seed over 13. Give me that shit. Um, I believed in Kent State for a little while now, and I'm glad they made the tournament. I have concerns about Indiana. Obviously, Trace Jackson Davis is probably the player of the year if it wasn't for Zach Eady. Um, But I just don't trust the rest of that team. Kent State has played elite teams. They played Houston. They played Gonzaga. They played Charleston even. And they've been close in all those games. They haven't won them, but they've been close. Uh, they play really good defense. And I think Sincere Carey will have a big game. And Kent State pulls off the upset. Right. Okay. Finally seeing Josh think for his own and pull off his own original upset. You know, usually he's following me. Not following That's me. exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> um, but moving on to the next game, we got Iowa State taking on Pittsburgh, who just won a thriller last night over Mississippi State to advance out of the first four. Um, at least one team who's been in the first four has won a game in 10 of the last 11 tournaments. And I think Pitt is that team this year. They're super experienced, very old team, ton of seniors. Iowa State's been stumbling lately, even though they did look good in the Big 12 tournament. So I'm going to take 11 seed Pitt, upsetting 6 seed Iowa State. I'm sorry, Tory Hash, it's Noah Duffy, but Iowa State's kicking your ass. I'm going to go Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State's just too inconsistent for me. Uh, Pitt didn't look amazing last night, but they created and hit tough shots against a tough defense, and this matchup should be similar. Uh, Iowa State, just like Mississippi State, has a really good defense, so I think that game kind of prepared Pitt, so I'm going Pitt. All right. On to the next. I think this is a 3-14. Yeah, there we go. Had to pull it up. Forgot my first matchup, unfortunately, but – Xavier is 
<laughs> Xavier is taking on Kennesaw State. I know Josh was thinking about taking Kennesaw State. I don't know if he did. I guess we're going to find out soon. But I did take Xavier winning this game, even though uh, Nunji is hurt. I still think they have enough pieces to take down Kennesaw State. Another safe option for me. I'm going to go Xavier. Yeah, I, I couldn't pull the upset. I think Xavier's offense is still just too elite. Um, they showed it in the Big East, and so I'm taking Xavier. All right. So disappointed to see Josh didn't have the balls to make that pick. But anyways, <laughs> on to the next game. We got seven-seeded Texas A&M playing 10-seeded Penn State. And usually I'm weary of popular upset picks. I don't like taking them because people usually get screwed on them. This is one that I'm tailing. Penn State looks really good as of late. All-American guard Jalen Pickett has a chance to carry that team to beat anybody. So I got Penn State beating A&M. I'm going to go with Penn State on this one. Local guy, go Penn State. Uh, I think this is the best game of the first round. Um, I think the winner of this has a legit chance of the Elite Eight. I don't, I'm not too scared of any team in the bottom half of that region. Um. I've been going back and forth, but I'm going to go Penn State. Uh, they have one of the more underrated elite players in college basketball, even though he's getting recognition now, Jalen Pickett. Uh, they have elite shooting with Lundy and Funk, and Texas A&M kind of struggles to guard the three at times. And I think Penn State uh, hasn't turned the ball over a lot this year, and I think that's the difference, so I'll take Penn State. All right. On to the next game, and I see the smirk creeping onto Brett's face already. This is a very sneaky 2 versus 15 game. And while I don't have the balls to pick it, I know a man that does. Give me Texas, but just wait. You guys know me. You know who I'm picking. Jeffrey Woodward is going to put on a master class. He's going to put up 15 rebounds, 10, uh, 15 rebounds, 10 points, monster double-double. Colgate! Give me Colgate! They're going to win this game. They're going to go far. I'm telling you. Uh, I think Texas is vulnerable, but they're – they're playing their best basketball right now, and they just have so many different players who can beat you. So I, I'm sticking with Texas. All right. Into the final four picks for this region. I have Houston. I think they're going to, you know, not really face a challenge until the Elite Eight when they get either Texas, Penn State, or AM. I don't think anyone else is really a threat to make the Elite Eight out of that bottom half. Not even Xavier. But uh, yeah, give me Houston. I got Colgate. Uh, I think they're enough. I got Houston as well. <laughs> I think Houston's the safe pick with this one. Yeah, I have Houston as well. All right, into the final region, um, down to the West region. Kansas is going to beat Howard pretty handily. Uh, I'm going to go with Kansas on this one. You good, Josh? All right, don't know what's happening with Josh there. Pretty sure. <laughs> Pretty 99% certain that Josh was going to go with Kansas. So there we go. Yeah, Josh is going with Kansas. Hopefully he's trying to come back in while we uh, keep going here. Next game, we got eight-seeded Arkansas taking on nine-seed Illinois. Another really good 8-9 game. Um, Arkansas has a very talented backcourt, but they're young and they haven't played many games together. Um I see a lot of people taking Arkansas to win this game and maybe even take down Kansas, but I'm actually going to go in the opposite direction and take Illinois. They have a very experienced lineup. Matthew Meyer has a national championship on his resume with Baylor, transferred over there to Illinois. Terrence Shannon Jr. Um, went to Texas Tech. Fresh off, They were fresh off a of Final Four berth, so he knows what it's like to be around guys like that. So just a very experienced locker room. I'm going to take Illinois with a 9 over 8. I'm going to go with Illinois, the upset here. Don't really got to say much. So There you go. Josh, I'm pretty sure, is on Arkansas. Don't know what's happening with him, but I'll be his voice while he gets back in here. His internet um, was going back up, but he's gone. Oh, there he is. He's back in. All right, let's see if he can. Josh, do you right, have uh, uh, Arkansas got, or Illinois? I got a phone call. I'm sorry. Um, Disgraceful. So what picks did you go over so far? Well, I said that we, we're pretty sure you would have taken Kansas, so we're on the 8-9 Arkansas-Illinois. Okay, yeah, I'd take Kansas. Go ahead with uh, Arkansas-Illinois. Um, I'm going to go Arkansas. They're finally healthy. Um, if Nick Smith and Anthony Black, two future NBA players, can get it together, Arkansas could go on a Cinderella run, but I, I do have them beating Illinois. Okay. On to another really good 5-12 game. VCU against St. Mary's. Uh, give me the upset. 12 over 5 is just a classic upset pick. You're supposed to pick two, 
You're supposed to pick two 12 over fives, no more, no less. Uh, if Omir is playing, that means I'm going to have to change my Drake pick to Miami, which means I'll have to rethink things. But this is my, for now, this is my second 12 over five. Give me VCU A10 champions to beat St. Mary's. Um, I am going to be going with the upset here as well. Give me a VCU. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Both both teams very good defensively, but I'm going to go VCU because I think they're going to force turnovers to create easier offense for them. Okay. On to a 413. Even though it's Iona, and usually people pick Iona pretty – it's a pretty popular pick in most tournaments. I see a lot of people riding UConn um, into the <laughs> – Come on, really? How can you ride a whole team? And make <laughs> I'm going to stick with my statement. I see a lot of people riding UConn into the Sweet 16, even Elite Eight and Final Four. Um, I'm not on Iona for this game. I don't think UConn's going that far, but if we're just sticking first round, yeah, I think UConn wins this game. Give me Iona. Upset. Sorry, UConn, but Iona is going to win this game. Uh, UConn's balanced on both sides on offense and defense, but I do have one major question watching them play at times. They don't really have a closer who someone can create shots and kind of put the game away. I don't think they'll need it in this game, so I have them surviving. Guys, yeah, for that sorry, reason, guys, major, major um, free agent news actually just dropped. Uh, running back Justice Hill is re-signing with the Ravens on a two-year $4.5 million. Never interrupt my March Madness talk <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, for that reason, Josh, UConn's just not a team that I want to ride right now. Um, moving on, <laughs> come on, moving on to the six over 11, TCU is going to play either Arizona State or Nevada. We'll figure that out later tonight. Regardless of who they play, I don't really care. Give me TCU, very good team, have a potential to make a run. TCU, uh, I'm going with safe, safe option here as well. Give me TCU. Yeah, I think Arizona State wins tonight, but I have TCU winning. Uh, Mike Miles is back, and he's one of the best players in college basketball. Okay, 314, Gonzaga Grand Canyon. I know I've been hyping up the 314s. I already picked my 14. Give me Gonzaga, three seed, Drew Timmy, senior year, last ride for him. Um, So, yeah, Gonzaga. I'm going to go with Gonzaga as well. Yep, I have Gonzaga. They're playing their best basketball right now, and they're an experienced team. All right, Northwestern versus Boise State is a weird matchup. I didn't expect any of these teams to be in the tournament, if you ask me, preseason. But, um, you know, I've been riding the Mountain West all tournament at this point. been choosing them a lot. But I want seven-seeded Northwestern. They're very, very talented in the backcourt. Just a team that I think is very, you know, not experienced, but old. So give me Northwestern. I'm going to go with another upset. Give me Boise State. Uh, uh, it's going to be a low-scoring game, but I think Northwestern has the advantage with Boo Booey, so I got Northwestern. Final game of the first round, two-seeded UCLA goes up against 15-seeded UNC Asheville. And I really wanted UNC Asheville to be my 14-over-3 pick this year. I watched them a lot in the Big South tournament. They're a very good team, good guards. Drew Pember's one of the best players in the nation. Unfortunately, they kind of got screwed over. Uh, they're playing a juggernaut in UCLA who's just so talented. Jaime Jaquez is one of the first, second team All-American. They also have Tiger Campbell, a senior. Amari Bailey, uh, going to be a lottery pick. They just have too many guys for UNC Asheville to keep up with, so UCLA will win. I'm going to go with UCLA as well. Yeah, I, I'm taking UCLA as well. I wanted to take UN. I think they're the best 15 seed, but I just don't <laughs> see it happening. All right, on to our final four picks. Um, there's always a rule. Like I said, with the 12 over fives, you got to pick two. You also got to pick two one seeds to make the final four. And if you guys were paying attention, my two one seeds were already picked. I went Alabama and Houston, which means I can't take Kansas. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of UCLA after that big Jalen Clark injury. So where does that leave us? It leaves us at three seed Gonzaga with Drew Timmy. One last go for him. Gonzaga will make the final four. Uh, I went with UCLA. No reasoning. Just went with UCLA. Uh, I, I'm agreeing with Brett here, UCLA. But they have an elite defense, and they have the playmakers on offense with Tiger Campbell and Amiakis. And a real quick, let's just give our final four picks in the championship winner. Why not? Let's Why not? do that. Why not? All right, I'll go first. If you remember, I had Bama against Kentucky. 
And then I had on the other side, I had Houston against Gonzaga. <clears throat> Talking about Bama versus Kentucky first a little bit. Both come from the SEC, so they're familiar with each other. They've already played this season. And I really wanted to pick Kentucky, but it's just way too risky to pick a six seed all the way to the national championship. Just thinking about if you want to win your bracket pool, it could pay off big time, but it could also hurt you really bad if Kentucky loses early. So while I do have them in the final four, just based on the risk factor, I did end up picking Alabama to win that game. And again, I think they are talented enough to reach the national championship. They have so many guys, Javon Quinterly, Jelly JQ, uh, Brandon Miller, Charles Bediaco, just so many guys. Nate Oates is a really great coach. The only thing that could hold them back is potential drama in the media from uh, Brandon Miller's kind of assisted murder accusation, but let's hope that doesn't get in the way. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, for me, so I had Houston versus UCLA, and I, my picks might be a little boring, but I'm going to go oh, with I forgot my second. I forgot my second one. Oh, my fault. You go. No, no, it's not your fault. I forgot. That was my <laughs> Uh, I got Houston and Gonzaga. I'll make it quick. Uh, Houston, I think, will win that game because the Final Four is in Houston, and I still don't think Gonzaga has a good enough defense. So the national championship, Alabama versus Houston, I'm going with Houston. They're the odds-on favorite to win the national championship, and not enough people are on them. Um, so I'm going to take Houston again. Final Four is in Houston. They have a lot to prove. A team uh, outside of a major conference hasn't won the big dance in 40 years maybe. Break the curse this year. Give me Houston to win the natty. Uh, so I – have a couple boring picks, but I don't really care. I got Houston over UCLA going to the national championship. And then I got Alabama over Duke. So two number one seeds. I'm sorry if that's a little boring. I got Alabama winning the national championship. This ain't football. It's basketball. I'm going with it. I think Alabama is overrated Mm -hmm. slightly, but I just don't see anyone – I feel like they're passed really easy, so I'm having them beat Memphis to go to the national championship. Now, on the Memphis right side, in the final four. Wow. Yeah, I don't. I, that could change. That region's just a mess, in my opinion. I, I could see like five or six different teams coming out of it. Um, and then on the right side, Houston, UCLA. I have Houston beating UCLA, and then Houston beating Bam in the championship. We all have the same championship. I might need to change mine. Yeah, I just don't like on the left side. I just don't have the guts to put someone in the left. Bottom left, east. Region. Besides Bama, I don't have like there's no one on the left side that I can see going to the championship besides Bama. But again, I could so easily see Bama getting upset. I don't know. I might have to switch it. I'll update you guys later. I mean, I, I might, I might have to take Bama out of my final four. I really might. I don't know. Interesting. Well, we'll see. All right. I think this concludes our March Madness. So, uh, Guess that's the end of the episode. It was not as long as we thought it was, but pretty Still damn a great cool. episode. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. We didn't really go in depth with the free agent stuff, but we got through that pretty quick. I was, I, I even though I don't know shit about college basketball, I had a good time with the March Madness stuff. Um, next episode is gonna be fun. Just covering the results. The, I just can't wait. The results of March Madness, the March draft. It's gonna be good. Oh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. It was nice talking to you guys. So I'll see you guys uh, next Wednesday. See you later. See you. See you.